Happy Monday. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. Phone numbers, as always, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. I actually have uh, uh, one of the topics here for this hour. Uh, it's a vital national interest. Things that we can do like the, to actually make the world better, I can tell, I'm going to give you one easy thing. All right, so stay tuned for that. Uh, also, uh, of less, uh, maybe a little bit less importance, Joe Biden went down to the border. Yeah, he finally got to see it. Apparently, like he's never been. He like drove by it once at a, like on his way to a campaign stop or something, and he drove past it. That was what the White House, that's what the White House said. That's weird. How can you be a senator for as long as he was a senator and then a vice president? Well, he was busy curing cancer, so I guess maybe that's why he didn't get down to the border. To never make a border trip ever? Weird. Anyway, the AP reporting that President Biden walked a muddy stretch of the U.S.-Mexico border and inspected a busy port of entry yesterday on his first trip to the region after two years in office, a visit shadowed by the fraught politics of immigration as Republicans blame him for record numbers of migrants crossing into the country. Oh, see, he's the victim. See, this is happening to him. So sorry, President Biden, that this is happening to you. Remember, this is rule number two of journalisming. These are my rules, but journalisming. Rule number two says very clearly, if the scandal is about a Republican, then the story is the scandal. But if a scandal is about a Democrat, then the story is the Republican reaction to the Democrat scandal. And that's what this is. Thank you, AP's Colleen Long. Right? Because Republicans are blaming him for the record number of migrants. That's, that's her putting the lens up to the Republicans and then filtering the story through that lens, right? That's the filter. This is how she's seeing this story. She's seeing that the Republicans are pouncing. They're seizing, if you will. It's all part of Operation Seizy Pounce. This is the framing of these types of stories. This isn't the Republicans' fault that Joe Biden's border policies have caused these massive uh, flows of, of humanity into the country at the southern border. It was predicted, it was predictable, and now it is occurring. And it will get worse when the Title 42 gets lifted, which everybody seems to believe it will. At his first stop, the president observed as border officers in El Paso demonstrated how they search vehicles for drugs, money, and other contraband. Ooh. Oh, it's like that demonstration that the... Uh, Matthews Police Department did during the uh, the Positively Matthews event that Paul Jamison does every year. And the, yeah, and, yeah, the dog event down there. And they bring out the Matthews Police Department and they show they do like a they have a couple dogs and they show, you know, like how their canine units work. And so Joe Biden got his own personal demonstration like that. Like he's a child. Anyway, 
Next, he traveled to a dusty street with abandoned buildings and walked along a metal border fence that separated the U.S. from Ciudad Juarez. I'm not sure if he, if he put his hand upon the wall and put his other hand over his eyes as he wept in AOC fashion. His last stop was the El Paso County Migrant Services Center, but there were no migrants in sight, which is really weird. Everything I've heard about El Paso is that there are a lot of migrants that are in El Paso. So many, in fact, that like an NC State basketball announcer guy got suspended for for making some reference to it. But for some reason, when Joe Biden showed up, there were no migrants at the El Paso County Migrant Services Center. Weird. Hmm. As he learned about the services offered there, he asked an aid worker, quote, look, look, for real. No, he said, if I could wave, if I could wave the wand, what should I do? The answer was not audible. That's um, it's compelling and rich, AP. That's a very, what was the point of that sentence? Here you go. You know what? I can answer that question because somebody else was asked the same question later on because that's apparently the question he keeps asking. What do you want me to do? What, what, what can I do? And you know what the answer is? Take one guess. Money. Give us more money. We want more money. And then uh, Biden's nearly four-hour visit to El Paso was highly controlled. He encountered no migrants except when his motorcade drove alongside the border and about a dozen were visible on the Mexico side. His visit did not include time at a border patrol station where migrants who cross illegally are arrested and held before their release. He delivered no public remarks either. The visit seemed designed to showcase a smooth operation to process legal migrants and weed out smuggled contraband and humanely treat those who have entered illegally, creating a counter-narrative to Republicans' claims of a crisis situation equivalent to an open border. See, it's not open. But here's the thing. Why would somebody say that they need more money? Why would... Why would Joe Biden be at the border asking, why would he be asking these questions, right? If everything is fine, if the border is secure, why even go visit? What's up with that? Yes, the visit was designed for PR purposes, AP. It absolutely is about optics. That's all it was about. It was so now he can check the box and he can say, well, we're on the border. Uh, look, for real. Mm. Mm. What shampoo are you using? Anyway, like he can now say, I went to the border and when I was there, I didn't see any problem. And we're working. I mean, look, there are challenges. Look, I know it's tough. It's a tough situation. But, you know, when I went down there and they were like, look, look, Joey, look. You know, we just need some more money so we can help more people, right? It's a very complex issue. I don't deny that. I've been covering this immigration stuff for 20 years. It's not getting better. It's only gotten worse in the last two. And it's gotten worse because of the policies that this administration has enacted or rescinded that were put in place by the previous administration. El Paso is currently the biggest 
corridor for illegal crossings, in large part due to Nicaraguans fleeing repression, crime, and poverty. A.K.A. like the same reason people leave Detroit. That's... I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. It could also be New York. That's fine too. Um, they are among migrants from. Uh, they are among migrants from four countries who are now subject to quick expulsion under new rules enacted by the Biden administration in the past week that drew strong criticism from immigration advocates. Biden's recent. I don't even know what that means. An immigration advocate. You just like yay more. Immigration, 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 just legal, illegal, doesn't matter? What? For, like, the whole planet? Do we get all 8 billion people here? Is What? Do Any caps, any quotas, any criteria, nothing? Just You just advocate immigration. Because I'm for immigration. I, I've said many times, I want the best and brightest people on the planet to come here. I, I want them all here. I'm a hoarder of, of intellect and entrepreneurial spirit. I want them all here. Biden's recent policy announcements on uh, border security and his visit to the border were aimed in part at blunting the impact of upcoming investigations into immigration promised by House Republicans. Oh, finally, we finally get to this. Like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Next page, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 paragraphs in more than halfway through the story. We finally get to. Just a whiff of, just a scent of it, of a possible political motive behind the visit. See, normally this stuff gets crammed at the front of the stories for Republicans because, you know, Democrats and media, but I repeat myself, they all know the motives of all Republicans. But unfortunately for the media people, it's like a superpower. There's always a trade-off, you know, like you get to be the man of steel, you're, you're super bad, but you got that kryptonite. That's the one thing, right? There's always the one thing, right? Bruce Willis and uh, water, he would kill him, right? When he was the superhero guy. What was that? In Unbreakable, right? So there's always the one thing. And for a lot of journalists, when they get this superpower to divine the motives for every Republican— their their weaknesses, they can never figure out the Democrats' political motivations. It's just it's just a trade-off like superheroes. I don't make the rules here. Okay. So they the AP apparently sniffing around here and they may be on to something that there might be some political motive. There may be some other reason to blunt the impact of upcoming investigations into immigration. But any enduring solution will require action by the sharply divided Congress where multiple efforts to enact sweeping changes have failed in recent years. Here, here's an idea. Just spitballing here. Just a radio guy. What do I know? But I'm going to throw this out there. Why not work on something small first? Right? Just something small. Forget the big sweeping legislation thing. Just do one thing. Pick one thing and just, just fix that. What do you say? Right? What do you say? This is like with me with the climate change thing. Like rather than trying to change the entire temperature all over the planet, it's a pretty big planet in case you hadn't like realized it's very large. So in, instead of trying to get everybody to do all these crazy things in order to reduce the whole global temperature, how about you just fix the freaking recycling system? How about that? Just a little thing. One little. Then maybe do one other little thing. You just it builds credibility, confidence, maybe learn some stuff, you know. How about that?
just spitballing. Talk 1110-993 WBT. That's Blues Traveler. Mm-hmm. All righty, so the president goes down to the border, and uh, for all of his international travel over his 50 years in public service, Biden has not actually spent much time down there. The only visit that the White House could point to was a drive-by that he did in 08. He drove by the border while campaigning in 2008 for president. <laughs> that was it. That's they apparently somebody AP asked the White House, "Hey, has Biden ever been down there?" And that's the answer they gave. So I guess that's it. He was greeted by Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who handed him a letter. I have a copy of the letter. Dear President Biden. Your visit to our southern border with Mexico today is $20 billion too little and two years too late. Moreover, your visit avoids the sites where mass illegal immigration occurs and sidesteps the thousands of angry Texas property owners whose lives have been destroyed by your border policies. Even the city you visit has been sanitized of the migrant camps, which had overrun downtown El Paso because your administration wants to shield you from the chaos that Texans experience on a daily basis. By the way, I saw El Paso. It's something like, it was like 300,000 or maybe it was 3 million. The amount of money, it's like, it's, it's going to bankrupt that city. The amount of money they're spending on, on dealing with this humanitarian crisis. All right, back to the letter. Uh, He says, this chaos is the direct result of your failure to enforce the immigration laws that Congress enacted. Under President Trump, the federal government achieved historically low levels of illegal immigration. Under your watch, by contrast, America is suffering the worst illegal immigration in the history of our country. Your open border policies have emboldened the cartels who grow wealthy by trafficking deadly fentanyl and even human beings. Texans are paying an especially high price for your failure, sometimes with their very lives, as local leaders from your own party will tell you if given the chance. All of this is happening because you have violated your constitutional obligation to defend the states against invasion through faithful execution of federal laws. Halfway through your presidency, though, I can finally welcome you to the border. When you finish the photo ops in a carefully stage-managed version of El Paso, you have a job to do. One, you must comply with the many statutes mandating that various categories of aliens, quote, shall be detained and end the practice of unlawfully paroling aliens en masse. Number two. You must stop sandbagging the implementation of the Remain in Mexico policy and Title 42 expulsions and fully enforce those measures as the federal courts have ordered you to do. Number three, you must aggressively prosecute illegal entry between ports of entry and allow ICE to remove illegal immigrants in accordance with existing federal laws. Number four, You must immediately resume construction of the border wall in the state of Texas using the billions of dollars Congress has appropriated for that purpose. And finally, you must designate the Mexican drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. 
on behalf of all Americans, I implore you, secure the border by enforcing Congress's immigration laws. So that's the letter that he handed to Biden. Biden had it in his coat pocket. And when asked about it, he said, look, Jack. No, he said, he said he hadn't even, I haven't even read it. That was his response, that he hadn't even read it. This from the uh, website Legal Insurrection, but it quotes reports from the uh, Washington Examiner as well as NBC News that Biden won't get to see the suffering, destitution and homelessness he has willfully created. More importantly, the resulting photo op visit will not shed any light on the humanitarian crisis for Americans. Since last week, police have moved hundreds of migrants to less visible areas of the city as carjackings, stolen property, and drug distribution spiked with the arrival of thousands of illegal immigrants, according to the Washington Examiner. Law enforcement agencies said that businesses have struggled with crime as migrants, primarily from Venezuela, have camped out on city streets. NBC News reports, quote, In the week before Joe Biden's trip to El Paso, Customs and Border Protection officers, as well as El Paso City Police, began arresting migrants who were sleeping in the streets outside of a Catholic church, this uh, Catholic church shelter, and bus station. NBC News says they got the footage of this, and the person who shot the video was a volunteer at the shelter, estimated that maybe 100 to 150 migrants had been arrested, and that more migrants sleeping by the bus station were taken into custody later in the week. To some extent, this stuff always happens. I mean, all right, sorry. Not like the arresting and deportation. That's no, not that. No, the the cleaning up of the you know of the military base before the commander in chief arrives. Right, my uh, wife's uncle Bob worked um, in for he was a uh, Air Force uh, career guy and. Uh, he talked about like he's got a picture when he retired and I was uh, we went down there and I was or up there, I guess he's in uh, Greensboro area. And so uh, we go up there and um, he's showing me some of his mementos and stuff like that. And he's got a picture of him and his wife with Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan. And they're in Florida. They were touring, uh, touring one of the Air Force bases. And he talked about how before Reagan showed up, they painted like all the buildings. They repaved the roads. <laughs> they did like everything looked you know, very, very spiffy for the president's visit, which is weird because, like, I understand you do that so for the optics for the commander in chief, so he's not showing up at some, you know, some flea infested, you know, nasty base for your base. It seems to me like maybe you play that card differently. That's just, I'm just throwing that out there. Just throwing it out there. All right. Also, I want to throw this out there before we uh, get this uh, traffic update because for the love of me, Please stop backing into parking spaces in parking lots. Stop. It's not what the camera is there for. I shall elaborate. Talk 1110-993-WBT. A couple of emails here. Dave says, Pete, wait a minute. I thought Vice President Harris had the border under control. 
I know she no, she identified the root causes of it. The root causes of it are uh the other countries. That's apparently the problem. Pete, with your Detroit remark, I am reminded of one of the greatest movies of all time. Kentucky Fried Movie, where the judge said, send him to Detroit. Sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, there's the what is this? Uh, Jeff Taylor used to write for um, the Mech Deck, I think is what it was called. It was the John Locke Foundation. They had blog, uh, they had uh, uh, blogs in different cities all around the state, and he wrote for the Charlotte one, the Mech Deck, and uh, he would refer to Charlotte as uh, Detroit on the Catawba. <laughs> uh, do, 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 do. Okay, so Stan says, Pete, I really enjoy your show for many reasons. One is your ability to create new words on the fly, such as votainer. You just did it again, showing your geniusry with the word photojournalisming. You've, al- uh, you've already even got rules already for a term that doesn't even exist. Pretty soon there's going to be a Pete Callender section in the dictionary with recent words created and branded by you. That is the dream, Stan. That is the dream. John says, Pete, dude, did you get your driver's license from a Cracker Jack box? First, you... No, I did not. Do they actually do that? First, you try to push that zipper merge crap on us. That doesn't work. It actually does. It's science. And now you're trying to say not to, not to back into parking spaces, which is the superior parking position. It is not. I'm going to explain it. There is a reason why professional drivers are taught to back in first. So, there was a time I was a professional driver. And I parked cars. I was a valet. Okay, I was a valet one summer uh, during college. But I was paid. I was a paid driver. I was a professional. So I consider myself to be, at one time, now retired, professional driver. As one who was a valet parker. And so I did a lot of parking. It's part of the gig. You don't just drive the car. You got to drive it to the parking space. And here's the deal. You back it in. Why? Why would you take the car and back it in? We backed every single car in. Why? So when you're leaving, you're able to get the cars off the lot as quickly as possible. Why? Because everybody is leaving the venue at the same time. It's a wedding. Everyone's leaving at the same time. And so you get this mad crush of people, right, that are all trying to give you their tickets. So you want to get them all out as fast as possible. So you run to the car, and also in New York, you uh, they have the tags on the front of the cars as well. And so you would look at the tag on the front of the car to know that that's the right car. So you could park them backwards, and you could get to the right car and, and jump in, zoom up, turn the car over, get another key, go do it again. And so there is a purpose for the for the backing in. Professional drivers, yes, will back in, for example, if you're a truck driver. Right, You do so much backing in that it's probably second nature. But here's the thing. 99% of the people on the road are not professional drivers. So if you're a professional driver and you want to back your car in, you go right ahead. Knock yourself out. Maybe I'll just do like a 40-year or 30-year prison sentence for that. But if you're not a professional driver, how often are you driving backwards? Seriously, how often do you drive backwards? Do you drive forward more than you drive backwards? I'm going to go out on a limb and say, yes, you do. Yes, I do. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, 
virtually every single person driving a vehicle spends way more time, like 99.999% of their time driving forwards versus backwards. Which means what? You got way more experience driving forwards. Which means what? Turning into the spot forward is actually easier because you do it more. It's also easier to judge the distance between the cars. But, beat, I have the backup camera. Okay. So let's go ahead and, and walk, uh, walk through this. Do you think it saves time? Do you think it saves time to back in rather than to back out? That's the only explanation for why anybody who's not a professional, anyone who's not a police officer or somebody who might get a call, like you're an emergency room doctor and you're going to need to jump in the car and make a quick getaway or something, you don't have time to back out. That's the only reason that you have more time on the front end versus the back end, right? That you have more time to park the car than you might not have that same amount of time when you're running to the car to go save someone's life. But nobody is under that kind of pressure virtually. Most of us are not under that kind of pressure when you go to the grocery store, right? You're going to the strip mall. You're not going over there and you're not like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I got all this time in the world on the front end and I got no time to race out. No, you just... It's just a shifting of the, of the time. But here's the other thing. It actually takes you more time. It takes you more time to back into the spot. Why is that? When you pull in, you see everything around you as you're pulling in. You don't need to use the, back, you don't need to use the camera. And God help you if you knock the camera out of alignment at some point when you were backing in or you were, you were closing the door or whatever. Those things, yeah, like they'll get covered up or whatever. And sometimes they're off a little bit. But whatever. Let's say yours is working fine. It's going to take you more time. Think about it. When you pull in, you pull right in. When you back out, right, you're going to back out and then away you go. Pulling in requires you to uh, forward. If you're going to you know, pull in, you're looking at two cars on your uh, left and your right side. You can see all of the lines. You see the, uh, the line in front of you and you boop, pull in. When backing out, you, you just go straight back. You don't even need the camera, right? The camera is there for safety purposes, really. That's what it is there for. It's not so you can back into the parking space. But then when you, when you do get into your car and you want to take off and drive away, you're not saving any extra time when you pull out. When you pull out facing, like if you back your car in and then you pull out, you're not saving any extra time there. There's no efficiency gained here. What's more... What happens if you buy something that has to go in your trunk? Uh, this is the thing. I'd, I've never understood this. You're going to back in and you're going to put your trunk up against somebody else's hood. And now you're going to come out with your groceries. You can't get your cart up to your trunk. Like, what's the point of this? Why, why would you do such a thing? Doesn't make sense. It just, it, it just doesn't make sense. There are other reasons. There is a fantastic scientific piece written about this by Mark Hemingway at The Federalist, headlined, For the Love of All That Is Holy, Stop Backing Into Parking Spaces. And he's correct. He says that there's been a dramatic change in driver behavior. He says he doesn't want to overstate the problem, but after years of close study, I have arrived at the conclusion that people who back into parking spaces are history's greatest monsters. The efficiency formula here. Think about the ripple effect that this has on everybody I know. See, as soon as I ask you to think about somebody else, like, oh, my gosh, right? 
But this is the same concept as the 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 shopping carts in the in the parking lot theory, right? If you don't put your shopping cart back into the corral, you probably shouldn't be living in civilized society, right? That's just it's one of the things that we all do to keep chaos at bay. So this is something that you should do. Like when you drive into a parking lot, as we have been doing for like a century, you just pull straight in. When you're backing in, I this happened to me when and Christy, we went uh, down to Atlanta over the holidays. We go and we pull in right off of the road and as soon and we're right behind somebody else who's pulling into the restaurant. And as we pull in, they see us straight in. This like 900 year old person starts trying to back the car in, <laughs> right? So we're like half in the road still, and we can't get in. You're jamming up every now. You're jamming everybody up around you, and because it's taking you longer to do it, and that's why you lost the efficiency argument. And not only that, that ripples throughout all traffic everywhere, all parking lots, all people. Right? The butterfly flaps its wings and. In something, something, and it's like the ripple effect, the butterfly effect, right? All right, so defend yourself if you can. I don't think you can. Or join my crusade, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Like I touched a nerve or something here. All right, uh, to the uh, phone lines we go. Let's start with Jim. Welcome to the program. Hello, Jim. Hey, how are you today? Hey, I'm good. What's up? Uh, just uh, a couple of things. One thing I think you're missing. Well, let me just go back here. I was uh, working for a company here in Charlotte that requ- the insurance company required us because we drove company trucks to take a test every year. And part of that test was backing into parking spots. As a matter of fact, it was required. Um, the reason being is insurance studies have shown that backing out of parking spots causes more accidents than, of course, backing into parking spots. So that was why, and pulling out is a much more safer uh, approach to the parking lot than it is backing out into into the lane. So I would I would disagree with you on one part, but then the other part of that I would agree with you on because. The other dynamic here is, uh, how should I say, consideration. Mm-hmm. Driver's consideration. If you look around, drive around, we all drive around, we all see these inconsiderate drivers all over the place. And I guess my point is, is if I'm pulling into the parking lot and I don't have anybody behind me and nobody around me, I'm going to back in. But if there's somebody waiting on me or coming the other direction, I'm going to pull in. So it's, it's, it's one of those things where you've really got to use some common sense. So the the safety argument is the that is the most compelling argument that the uh, the pro backer inners have, and uh, it's also um, it, it, it's also kind of contradictory because the whole point of the camera is to make backing up safe, right? No. So you so you've got the camera there to see as you back out. Ah, Pete, there's the point. We don't use a camera if you're prof- if you are a professional and good driver. You don't need a camera. Ev, but that's for, the, this is my the only for what eight right. years without cameras and backed in spots. I what, for the lazy inconsiderates that need cameras. That, well, everybody that's doing it now is doing it now because they got cameras. Well, People yeah, didn't just all become great drivers. That's my point. Yeah, no, they, yeah. Just all right, Jim. I appreciate it. I got to uh, move on because I got like so many other people here. Uh, but uh, it's a fair, it's a fair assertion. I, I don't buy it though. Uh, James, welcome to the show. Hello, James. Well, I have to disagree with you a little bit. I agree with you 99.97% of the time, Pete. 
but I drive a truck, pickup truck for a living. I pull a trailer and it sits up higher than cars. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I'm pulling into a parking space, it's difficult to judge the distance between me and the vehicle in front of me. Plus when I don't have my trailer, I've got a big hitch on the back and I don't think you want to be walking through a parking lot and hit my hitch on your shin. So Who's when I'm backing into a parking spot, I can get that hitch two inches from the... How would, I, how would that be any different from me banging my shin on your hitch versus walking into the front of your car? Well, if I back in, yeah. I can get a lot closer than if I pull in because my truck sits up high and... Because you can't judge the distance... From your, your, you don't know how big your vehicle is up front. Yeah, because I'm pulling a trailer 99% of the time. So the few times that I am pulling into a parking spot, I, it's difficult to judge the distance. So it's much easier for me to back in using the camera. The few times that I do back in the parking spots. All right. So, so you drive, so you are a professional driver. Uh, you could say that. Okay. And you cannot judge, you don't know how much room you have in the front of your car, of your truck? Like I say, I don't pull in the parking spaces very often because I have a trailer attached to me. So you're just like on the side. You're just like at the end of the parking lot or across a couple different, I see. Okay, James, I, pre- yeah, I appreciate the call. All right, let me go over to Lori. Let's see here. So far, I'm for 2. Hello, Lori. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Hey, all right, what's up? Um, my reason for backing in is because I have neck issues, so it's easier for me to back in than for me to try to, um, manipulate my way out. And I know you talk about the cameras. I've only had a camera for about less than a year. So you realize when you're backing in, you're making more of, uh, an, uh, you're, you're making more calculations to make that turn requiring, because it's because you're backing in the 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 fulcrum point for your car. I don't know if that's what it's called, but that pivot point is f- is at the front of your car, and so it's a wider angle to make. Either way, I mean, pulling in, pulling out, you're you're still having to use a camera one way or the other. You're still having to turn around one way or the other. Why is the neck issue more pronounced? Why would it be more of an affliction for you backing in versus backing out? Again, I learned. I started backing in before I had a camera in my car. We don't all have the new cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can be able to see the whole space that I'm backing into easier with my uh, side view mirrors than I could when I'm trying to back into a traffic. Now, I will agree with Jim that if there's traffic behind me, I don't... You don't that. do it. Okay. And I will... I got to run. Lori, I appreciate the call. I got to run. It's a, that's a fair point. I, I'm still not agreeing with it, though. All right, maybe I'll pick this back up again. Try to crusade tomorrow.